Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, guys. I hope you guys had a good weekend wherever you spent it. Uh, Dante, it seems like we're getting closer and closer just by the conversation uh, that's going around on the national scale. Um, we might get golf back hopefully soon. I know soon. it seems like, you know, we look around and, uh, you know, you in New Jersey and me in Maryland, we're in a we're in a place of like kind of we're almost ostracized from the rest of the country. Most of, most of the country sees golf being played right now in some way, shape, or form. New York just being instituted back, uh, private courses, California seeing some golf. So uh, and I think we're, we're close. I think we're, we're very there. close. We're getting there. I'm hoping the next couple of weeks we'll see it. Uh, I wish it was tomorrow, but, I mean, you just got to keep looking at the data and keep plugging through and just hoping for the best. No doubt. Well, excited to uh, to do this interview today. I think this one's been a, a long time coming. Um, you know, this is this is a guy that we know very well, um, and and you know have kind of had a very good impact, at least on my side of things, on on where my collegiate career took place, and um, and the fun times that we've had uh, on and off the golf course up in uh, northeastern Pennsylvania. Uh, so excited to bring on the former assistant director of athletics and recreation at Marywood University, but more importantly, uh, the guy who convinced me to go to Marywood and play golf and, and my golf coach during the time there. So uh, excited to have Eric Grumman on the show. Eric, uh, how are things going? Uh, Dalton, it's going great. It's great to be here, Dalton and Dante. Um, you know, went from, as you mentioned, went from a, a coach and, and an assistant AD at Marywood University. I'm now in southwestern virginia about 25 miles outside west of roanoke in a town called farum virginia and i have uh, been named and began last monday my first week in a new life i was named the senior officer of enrollment management in charge of the entire enrollment management division uh, financial aid admissions and retention at farum college so i'm Excited to, to start a new chapter in my life, but I'm probably more excited to be with 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 two of my guys and, and, and two Marywood alums. Yeah, there's uh, that, that's exciting news for you, and, and I think just something that fits you very well. Just kind of you know being around you in the past for so long, and um, you know you're very good at just um, in in the recruitment side of of what you did at your job, and excited to see how you thrive uh, down there in Virginia. So um, you know, let's get let's dive into how we got started and, and where we met at, at Marywood and, and the golf team. When I stepped on campus, it was a very new golf team. It was uh, just transitioning from club to an NCAA uh, sport at the time. Um, what was it like for you kind of taking the reins of a new program like that? Don, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it when, when you came aboard, was that our second year? I believe so. That's correct. There was one competitive year already played. It was our it was our second year and our first year was our first recruit was Frank Major um, M Frank Major the fourth who I'm sure we'll talk about as we we move along but uh, you know starting the program was a very unique experience for me I was uh, bestowed that uh, honor and quite literally an honor by the Marywood administration and uh, it. it it was a little easier than you might think. And one of the reasons it was a little easier than you might think is because we, we had a club program prior to that. And the club program, uh, I was the coach or manager or leader of the club program. And we had two young men, specifically one, Stan Kenya, who uh, spent quite a, quite a bit of time at my, at my office door 
trying to convince myself, trying to convince our administration that that golf one should become a club sport and then it should become an NCAA certified varsity sport. You know, Stan Kenya was was instrumental just with his persistence. And his his brother decided to come to Marywood. And I believe Paul played with us for one year of, of club golf. And, and in doing so, uh, that second year, having somebody as solid a player as, as Paul was, and Stan in his, in his own right as well, but having somebody who legitimized the program our first year, and, and we were able to sell the program to those first few recruits. The first one, you know, literal recruit being being Frank Major. You know, it was just kind of a little bit of a snowball type of effect. You know, from, from Stan Kenya helping to start the program came Paul. From Paul came Frank. From Frank came you. You know, from you came uh, Mike Thomas and, and Nick Biondi. And from those two came Jesse Bingaman. And from that came came an incredible group of young men. And, and there were other young men along the way, too, that were, are, were a part of the program and always will be a part of the program. I think at one point our, at our apex in terms of numbers, we were at 12. Um, and, and all of those gentlemen together uh, were able to, to come together and form a group. And I think we've kind of recruited each other in a sense. Um, yeah, it became a family very quickly. Um, you know, even from before the, before the time that I got there, um, officially, you know, even in the walk around, um, when I kind of just made my official visit and, and just met Paul, met Frank, uh, Frank being an architecture major like myself that I was interested in at the time and ended up graduating as an architecture major. You know, it was, it was one of those things that, uh, I just found a relation with, with Frank and with you and with the program very easily. Um, and it was something that, like you said, snowballed uh, kind of effortlessly, I feel like, uh, in some way, shape, or form. I'm, I know there was – I'm certain there was uh, extra efforts behind the scenes that, uh, to, to make it all happen as effortlessly as it looked like from a player's perspective. Um, but, you know, it, it couldn't have hurt to have the kind of campaigning that Stan and Paul Caney did for the program so early on. Yeah, they, they were tremendous. They were there. And to this day, they remain tremendous to, to this day. You know, that entire group of young men um, it, it remains close. As you well know, we were all together at a wedding a couple of months ago for one of the members of that, that team and that program. And obviously had a terrific time and, you know, there was uh, under under the under the the tip of the iceberg. There is a lot that goes on that a lot of people don't know about. But one of the unique parts of of that story in terms of building the program was your recruitment. And I, I can't remember if you knew this or not, but I received a phone call from admissions, and I wasn't in the office. And there was a note stuck on my desk that said that there was a young man who was an architecture major who would have be on campus and his name was Dalton Deerdorf from Delone Catholic and and uh, I, I still in my mind remember seeing that little yellow post-it note next to my phone that, that somebody had put there and you know the first thing first thing that, that we do is, is we google and I immediately you know pulled your name up and, and saw your numbers and I knew that, that we had a program architecture and you wanted architecture that would 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 be incredibly helpful to in with respect to recruiting you and i i think i kind of jumped on that pretty hard at that point and, and 
you know, that you were on campus, we met, and that wasn't the first time we talked because you were a critical recruit, um, further legitimizing our program. Um, hard to legitimize legitimize your program without without young men who are first and foremost foremost good people, but secondly good students. But if you want to have a championship team, you have to have players as well. And you were one of the first people in that 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 whole scenario that unfolded that that you know I think continued to allow it to unfold for us and, and, and build uh, again. And I'll keep saying this because then I'll say it till the day I'm no longer here, one of the greatest group of young men that, that I've ever been had the honor and privilege to be around. Oh, I, I, I can I truly I can appreciate a, that. <laughs> I can attest for that since I'm the outsider looking in, as most of our listeners know that I was actually a lacrosse player during my uh, years at Marywood. And luckily I was able to, I befriended Paul like fr- immediately freshman year. Um, we have different sides of the story. If you want to ask him, he'll tell you something completely different. It's the complete opposite of what he'll tell you. But besides the point, him and I walked side by side because uh, we were both the same major, business administration, um, marketing and management. And I, and I just basically kind of saw the entire thing unfold from the program all the way to the camaraderie to what it stands today and like what you left and it, it, it was just like remarkable to see that in that such that short time period from, you know, at first it was just a thought, then it became a club and then it became this whole thing. And then it became this, this family. And I, and I mainly saw that when Stan actually invited me for the alumni, uh, the alumni um, tournament you guys had at Helmhurst a couple of years ago. And that's actually where I met Dalton for the first time. That was an incredible my, day. It was, and then we went to was Morgan's afterwards, and just hearing that? I've never been there. And just like from the stories to from what Paul and Stan have, uh, you know, what they put forward, and the stuff that I heard. It, I mean, it, it was just remarkable to see because I saw it from basically ground, uh, from the bottom of the ground all the way up. So it was just awesome to see and how much was accomplished in that such short period of time. So anybody out there listening, this is this is one hell of a team. Uh, during my my time up at uh, good old Marywood. Dante, making that even more remarkable is the fact that somebody from the outside looking in, you know, obviously myself and Dalton being on the inside, but somebody from the outside looking in, looking at that and seeing that. And, you know, maybe in an indirect way and now more direct than ever before, now becoming part of that. Um, it, it is it's really a, a, a fascinating thing and a, and a very heartwarming thing for me to see somebody like yourself having seen what what we went through and what we did, what we accomplished, the highs and the lows, the, the fights, the good times, the bad times, and, and all of those things. But to have somebody from the outside see it and now be a part of it, um, it, it interesting to me that our program it continues to grow to this day, um, bringing in and, and having people like you along with it. So that's pretty, pretty cool to me. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it was, it was definitely awesome to see because a lot of the stories, you know, I'm obviously getting from go to Paul and I'm like, I would like turn, I'm like, what, wait, what's happening now? And it and was you know, just... <laughs> we keep, we, we've, we've mentioned Paul a number of times. Paul was, mm-hmm. was a, a, a three time, all league player and a three time in the first three time MVP yeah. of our program. So uh, 
Paul was was aside from being somebody with as high a moral moral character as I've ever been around, Paul's a heck of a player too. And there's something incredible. I think you both mentioned it kind of countless times there um, was just like how you don't really sometimes see it from the inside when you're on the team. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, just now we're able to sit back and look at it. It's times past. But when I was kind of, you know, taking the visit and sat down in, in the Hall of Fame room up at Marywood and met you and sat down with my parents for the first time. And, you know, from that moment where I kind of just made my decision to go until graduation I, I don't want to say it was a blur but everything just moved so fast between so golf fast. you know actual academics that we were at school for and just everything and all the traveling that like it's crazy now to look back on it and and see just the strides we did make as a program and it sometimes you forget to put it in perspective of like yeah we were three years old, four years old when we, when we made our, you know, as a team of first national championship appearance. And, and you don't see that too often of, of teams that go from kind of club to NCAA, you know, officially recognized team. And then all of a sudden make an appearance on, on a national scale like that. And, you know, I'd love to get into that a little bit too. When, when you made the switch from basketball full-time to golf, what was the dichotomy of the team like that differed from basketball? And like, how does that team really work within a, within a golf program? It's an interesting question. And I could go a lot of different ways with that. And I can tell you that over time, you know, my perspective, my perceptions, my, my thoughts on that have changed. You know, when it first started, you think of, 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 from my background, having, you know, been a college basketball coach for 28 years, 20 as a head coach. And, you know, you're always thinking about, you know, not just getting, you know, five young men to play together. You're trying to, to not only get those five young men to play together, but those 12 or 13 or 14 young men, you know, to, to be a team and to have one common agenda. And, and you always, you know, you always talk with them about, you know, we don't, we don't number our players. And you probably remember me saying this, you know, we don't number our players one through 12. I have 12 number ones. Um, you know, building a basketball team and building a golf team are similar in many ways, but they're different in, in, in other ways. You know, when I, when I coach a basketball game, I can call timeout. I can substitute a player in. You know, when a player is, is not playing particularly well, there are stoppages in play where I can instruct and coach. You know, from a golf perspective, you know, I've got, I've got five guys out on a course, all spread out all over a course in different areas of a course. And, you know, it's hard to get to all five of them, especially when you're trying to be like one of them and walk rather than ride a cart. Um, you know, some of those courses I, I did have to ride a cart but I, I more often than not did try to walk. And, you know, when, when you hear that somebody three holes up is, is struggling a little bit and, and you want to get up there, it takes a little while, it takes a little longer to get up there if you're, if you're on foot. But that being said, you know, golf is an individual sport when you throw them up on the course and they're out there by themselves alone. That's where it's an individual sport. When it's going bad, it's going bad. I can't sub in and out. Um, you know, obviously in a team sport such as basketball, I can sub for you. I can call a timeout and bring the whole team together. I can talk to the team, you know, about supporting that individual. On a golf course, I can't talk to the player in front of you and the player behind you about support. I have to be the one that's there to support you. 
philosophically, if you might you know, recall, one, one of my philosophies or one of my thought processes over the course of, of time with our golfers was when things were going well, stay away and get out of the way and let them play. And when things weren't going well, get near your guys and support them. Don't instruct them and don't coach them because you have really, really good players and they know how to play but they just need you there knowing that you're there for them and supporting them and, and, and no matter what through thick and thin. So yeah, at the end of the day, you know, those individual players, as they come off the course and you begin to add up four of five, four of the low four scores of, of five scores, that's where it becomes a team sport. You know, at the end of the day, the number one score is no less important than the number four score because you add them all together and they, they, they form a team score. And, uh, you know, that's where it becomes, in terms of the final score, that's where it becomes a team sport. But when they're out there competing, you know, at that time it's individual. But when they're, when they're uh, finishing up or, or before the match, when you're having a conversation and sending them out there to go, to go play, we always say, you know, play for the, the name on the front of your chest or on, or on the bag. You know, that's, that's where that team portion of it comes together. You know, certainly out on the course, you know, there are times when you as a coach know what the overall picture looks like and who's doing what and what scores are. And you need, you need, you know, player A or B to maybe not uh, make some gambles or make some decisions that, that could affect the team in, in a way. You know, but you got to be careful in that way. I learned that the hard way with Mike Thomas the second year at, at the national tournament. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully on the last hole. Hopefully we don't get to that. Hey, it's it's funny because, you know, so many people when they think of like golf coach just automatically go to swing and and that they they forget about the side of coaching that is like you said is is like the college coach or the high school coach is the course management side of things and and it's like you said when when you have someone that you know you're probably got three guys in at a score you need and you need someone to not make triple you know let, let's just make par bogey at worst so maybe like you said you don't take that gamble um it, it's kind of the side of things a lot of people i feel like uh, on the outside looking in don't really um realize that as part of coaching it is really the course management side of things and helping kids maybe make you know decisions that they wouldn't typically make um you know if you got a if you got a bomber out there that usually always goes for the green in two you you might have to just kind of reel them in and say hey let's just make par here you don't need to make eagle well i, I you you probably very well remembered we will revisit a little bit but you know coaches have to they learn all the time too and you know i did learn on the last hole of the, of the conference championship you know when i went down and talked to, to mike thomas one of the greatest student athletes and as you are and, and all of you are but one of the greatest student athletes in the history of Marywood University but I I did learn that about the last thing you need to do on the last hole is to go down and tell your number one player don't screw this up uh, don't do anything crazy and uh then some crazy stuff happened but fortunately we had enough of a cushion but uh I was gonna say to do that all over again I I wouldn't have done that I I never throw blame but I don't think from – he has one of the best short games I've ever seen uh, from, you know, a fellow 
player on, on our team um, in all four years I was there. And um, yeah, I don't think the, uh, the coaching practices in that instance helped, helped Mike Thomas uh, get up and down for a, an easy par in that scenario. And I would say, give me credit for admitting that, that the coaching uh, at that point was, was left little to be desired. Dalton, I, I want to go back um, and I don't want to control the conversation, but there's something that, that's in my mind that, that we started talking about in terms of the recruitment aspect of this whole thing. And, 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 and the word recruit or recruitment was used. And I, I'm not sure that, that you were ever were, were, were led into this um, or any of you, because it was, it was just a, philo a philosophical thought of mine. And it's something, you know, here in the position that I'm in at Ferrum College that I'm going to begin to have conversations with our team. And, and the team that I, I don't coach, but the team that I lead now is, is a, a dean of admissions, a director of financial aid. And then they have, you know, the players underneath them, which are the admissions counselors. You know, and the admissions counselors are, you know, they would be the golfers or the basketball. That, that, that came here or that are going out and trying to encourage prospective students or prospective student athletes to come to Ferrum College or like they did at Marywood or like I did at Marywood. And one of the thoughts that I, I have or, or one of the things that I really try to, to practice and preach, and I'm going to do that here, is lose the word recruit. We don't recruit. Because to me, and I think, I think, you, yourself and Dante, I think both of you will appreciate this. And the proof is in the pudding because we're all here tonight. The reason we don't recruit is because to me, recruiting is, it's, you recruit somebody for four years. What I tried to do and what I'll try to continue to do with the team I have here is to not have them recruit. And I kind of want them to lose that word from their vocabulary. I want them to build, develop, and cultivate relationships. Everybody else that's talking to them will recruit them. And a recruit is for four years. A relationship is for a lifetime. And isn't it funny, isn't it interesting that we're here tonight and, and, and this thing is a lifetime between myself and you, and I'm sure it will be between Dante and all those people who were at that wedding a couple weeks ago. If you remember, while you were being recruited, I said one of the most important things that could happen was that when you graduate, you come back one and play in the alumni tournament, and two, I get an invitation to your wedding. And if those two things happen, if you come back, and if I come to your wedding, then I probably did my job, you did your job, the whole thing worked out. And isn't it interesting where we are today? having this conversation we were at a wedding a month ago or i'm before. so glad you brought it up and it, it's it's so true i mean it just um it couldn't be more true to to what our situation you know between the the golf team at marywood has ended up being um i, I talk to the guys still pretty consistently uh they're they're a core group of of not only friends but people i lean on you know uh, to just talk about anything and i i challenge people to to maybe find that in, in their other, you know, teams across the country. I, I feel like there's, there's not a, a large majority of teams that still have that kind of camaraderie and like brotherhood um, that, that we've built at Marywood within our golf team. And, and that's, and that's something special. And, and it goes back to just, you know, how you kind of approached it and coached us um, and just kind of let us, you know, become this family. And, and, and that's all kudos to you. 
Well, and I th thank you, Dalton. And, and, and I, I would say, go back to when you said teams all across the country, that teams are, 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 exist in many forms. They're not just athletic teams. You know, I have, an, I have, I have a team in the enrollment management division here at Ferrum College, um, and I have to lead that team. Uh, our president, Dr. David Johns, who I met just one short month ago, is now the leader of, of the Ferrum team. And I can tell you, he, he is an incredibly dynamic, energetic, pragmatic, forward thinker who, who I really believe is, is somebody that, that will mentor me along, that will, for lack of a better word, coach me along. But I'm really excited to, to, to be in a position where I'm being led by somebody who, who I, I really, in, in a very short period of time, have a great deal of respect for. And I, I can't wait to, to learn from him. But just, just go back to the teams come in a lot of ways, a lot of, a lot of shape, different shapes and forms. And, and I think, you know, when you're working for a, a team and selling something, you know, if you believe in what you sell, you know, the easiest way to, to, to sell what you believe in is to build a relationship with that person that you're selling to rather than, than just try to sell the product to them. Yeah, no, it's a hundred percent true and, and couldn't agree more. And, you know, it, you hit it nail on the head. There's, there's not just sports teams. There's, there's teams everywhere in, in every, you know, aspect of life. And um, that kind of what we just talked about can be applied to any and all teams um, and, and how they approach, you know, the way they build. So, but uh, let's get back into golf. You know, I'm interested to see what your, what your thoughts were um, when we made that national championship appearance for the first time. Um, it was back in 2015. And like I said, it was, it was three or four years, you know, into the, into the program itself. Uh, from a coach's perspective, you know, going through the growing pains of getting everything set up, recruiting, getting that kind of first high caliber team in place. Um, what was it like as a coach to kind of just look upon that and say, you know, we've gotten maybe step one taken care of. We've gotten an elite team to, you know, to a national championship. How, how did that viewpoint from a coach's perspective kind of look and, and how do you approach that to say we can build on this year? Well, I mean, going back to the first year where we won the conference championship and, and then, you know, made the appearance in, in the national championship, which coincidentally that, that course is in Greensboro, which is one hour south of where I am right now. So I, I expect to make a trip down to Greensboro sometime soon to, to relive those old memories. But, uh, you know, what, what does it look like that, that group, that first championship and, and, and getting to the NCAA championship? First, first of all, what it looks like is, amazing to me that things were able to come together in such a short period of time. But I, I think, you know, looking back at it, it was, well, while it was never easy, it was always enjoyable because we, we were just very fortunate to have been able to identify some really outstanding young men, some outstanding young student, young students. And, and obviously we put together a collection of really, really good players. And as you well know, you know, at, at that point or at any time, we were competing in, in a national event and ke keeping in mind that very few teams in the Northeast compete on a national level. And we were doing it in year four. Um, St. John Fisher, one of the, the, the better programs in the country, um, competes on a national level year in and year out. But 
you know, we were in, in Greensboro, North Carolina as, as, as a team from the Northeast, competing against teams from down South who play all year long, competing against teams from out West and the Southwest and, and, and all over the country in warm weather areas. And, you know, after day one, I believe we were, we were in about 12th place, I think after day one, I'm not sure. About the 15th hole on day two, I know that we were in 12th place and we had a chance to be top 15 and move to day three and four. And yeah, I'm not sure we were ready for the moment at that point, but, you know, looking back at the whole thing and, 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 and you know, what it meant to me from a success standpoint in terms of the scores that we put up and the records that we set and, and finishing 20th in the country, I'm proud of that, certainly. And how could you not be? But I'm, I'm more proud, you know, as we sit here today of, of looking back at, at those young men, at, at how they handled their success. They always handled their success. And, and all the tournaments, the, the, the tournaments that we won, and all the, the medalists that we produced and the all-conference players that we produced, how we always handled things. Um, and golf can sometimes be incredibly humbling and frustrating. And we, we just seem to always handle things in a way that was really, really professional, that was really mature. Um, all the time, no, but, but most of the time we did. And, and I think – you know, that, that says something about the character of the young men that, that, that we had, you know, in that group. You know, yeah. So the, the, the thing that I look back at and see, and that's most important to me, is how we used golf to build those, those skills, you know, throughout the course of their golf careers. And, and they were able to take those skills and, and use them, certainly on the golf course, but, but take those skills and use them in life. And, and you know, after all, isn't isn't that what college sports or college golf is about, especially at the Division three level? It's about building young men or building young women and, you know, teaching them, you know, to be humble, but to, but to stay hungry and teaching them to compete. Um, they're not doing it for a scholarship. They're not getting paid to do it. They're doing it for the love of the game. And it probably is the truest form of competition, Division three athletics. It quite literally is the truest form of competition. You're not pressured to play. You play because you love the game, whether it be football, basketball, or golf, or any other sport. You don't play it in front of a lot of fans. You play it because you have a, a love for the game and a pride and, 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 and standards that you set for yourself and, and for your teammates. And you play it hopefully because you've been led in a way. But going back to, to what it meant to me or what did I see, I saw, I saw growth and development of, of a group of young men that continues to this day. And I, and I, I, I saw a family form, develop, come together and, and, and that family still exists to this day. Yeah. One of the things you said, I think, you know, just need to touch on real quick is just the kind of the character you, you said, all the players kind of just showed during times of success. And I think, you know, shout out to our parents for that. I, you know, we were all kind of very fortunate to, to be in a division three program where a lot of our parents at some way, shape or form crossed paths, met each other. We met their parents, you know, each other's parents. And, and to say that, you know, all of our parents or guardians were just outstanding individuals and, and, you know, helped us, you know, understand how to handle the, the success and how to handle it with some pride, some class and, and, you know, the way we did uh, throughout the times we experienced success, you know, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our, of all of our parental figures that, you know, that they, they were the reason we were able to handle all of that success. You're darn right. And, and I would, I would say, 
hello, Mr. and Mrs. Deardorff. I do miss you dearly. Um, they, they were as supportive of our program and of me as anybody possibly could, could be. Um, all of those parents, and, and on top of the parents, you know, going back, the, the great, you know, God rest his soul, Gino Biondi, um, who was always there for us, always supporting us and, and supporting his, his uh, grandson, Nicholas Biondi. Um, that group of people, Mr. Thomas, Kenyas, and, and, you know, the Mancinellis, and, I mean, they were at every match, or darn near every match. And, you know, they were, uh, some of them were making significant trips to, to get to those matches. So, um, you know, Jesse Bingaman's um, godparents and his aunt and uncle, um, Frank, uh, the DeRosas, um, those people were, were instrumental. You know, not only were the players instrumental in our success, but they were instrumental in our success, but they were instrumental in our success, not just from a score standpoint, but, you know, from instilling those values in, in young men that, that, that continue on to this day. Absolutely. Yeah. Had to, uh, had to slip that in there and give them some shout outs because it's, it's well-deserved and, and most definitely necessary. I, I have pictures of mom and dad in my phone still on their knickers and in the team outfit from uh, our alumni tournament. And they will always oh, be. Oh yeah. Remember that. I was just saying, hey, when, when, when Payne Stewart grew up as uh, your father's idol, sometimes you just have to honor the late greats and put on some knickers. <laughs> Both Payne Stewart and your dad. Absolutely. No, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's really cool just kind of to look back on it all. And, and I, you know, I had talked, texted you this a few times before, and I don't think we truly, other than maybe the alumni event, which Dante, you were at, um, got to just sit down with everyone who was a part of, the organization and the team and, and just everything that, you know, assistant coaches, coaches in the past, uh, you know, um, parents and everyone just to, together. I think we've only been able to really do that once. Um, and, and it was just really cool to kind of, as Dante and I started gathering everything and looking back on what we did as a team was just like, you know, what a cool experience it was to, to be at Marywood and to not only have you as a coach, but just to develop these relationships that, you know, like you said, looking back on it, we brought a majority of the team together to go to a fellow teammates wedding, no less than, you know, four months ago. So it's just, it's really cool to look back on it and, and see it all and see the, you know, family we've developed throughout the entire, you know, what we originally thought we we're just going to play college golf turned into so much more. And yeah. Absolutely. And that's, that's some of the best parts too. And like the coach, like you were saying that, you know, you throw this word and recruit that's, Hey, we're bringing in you for four years, but what we really want is we want to bring you four years, get a great education, play the sport that you love, but also develop these relationships and friendships that'll last a lifetime. And it goes from the alumni game or the alumni uh, round that we had for the golf team. And then the alumni uh, games that I've played in with my team and that and that's what it's really all about because you bring in these kids from you know I'm talking the kids that played in 2015 2016 and 2017 and so on I wasn't there I walked across the stage in 2013 but you bring this family to come back together and you reminisce on the good times you talk about well this is how we did it before here's some of the stories that we went through here's some of the ups and downs that we went through and then you get to hear some of the stories from people that you kids that played on the team that you've never met and then you just immediately uh gained like a, a new friend you have this this bond this trust with this new person that you just met for the first time that now hey you were 
we were part of the same family at different times, but now we're able to take that into the future. Well, that's, uh, it's interesting that you say that because if, if you think back to, to the lacrosse, I was there when lacrosse started in Marywood when Coach McGrant was, was the mm-hmm. first coach. And Coach McGrant is actually just up the road from us at Bridgewater State College, uh, a couple hours up the road. But yeah, you're absolutely right, Dante. It, it is, you know, think back when you come to college and you're, you're kind of a green freshman, do you, you don't really, you live day by day. Um, you, you, you have a little bit of, of a different perspective than, than when you get out a year or two and then you start to look back and you think back, what did I learn? You know, I learned a lot in the classroom and I learned a lot from the, the faculty. Um, one of the great things that, that, that playing a college sport does is, is it, it certainly gives you memories. Um, it certainly teaches you to compete. It certainly teaches you to manage your time wisely or, or, or hopefully, and many, many other things. Um, but it also, it, 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 it develops relationships, which is you know, one of the core things that we're having, core things that we're talking about in this, this conversation. And, and, and it connects you to your, your, your university. Um, Don, I don't know if you remember this, but you know, I, I really like to, to refer to this quite a bit. And you, you may remember me referring to, you know, when you're building a team, I, I, I kind of look at it as a, almost in a sense of, of a hunk of iron ore. And you, you may remember this analogy, but you look at a hunk of iron ore and you, you want to make a sword out of that iron ore. How do you make a sword? You know, you, you heat it, you put it under intense, incredible heat and then you pound on it you hammer away at it and then you put it in water and shock it and then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again and and over time the extreme heat that you're under um, the pounding that you take and the shocks that that that, that you experience what it forms is it forms a, a a sword um, out of that, you know, ugly piece of iron or what you thought was an ugly piece of iron. That's what all of you went through. Uh, that's what, that's what all of you went through individually as players. And that's what all of you individually went through as a team. You went through constant pounding, some more than others. You went, you were always un, under, under the fire and, and you were shocked quite a bit, but what it formed, you know, hopefully what it formed is, is the young men that you are and the team that we were. And I, I have to give a plug or a shout out to Farron College because you don't know this. And our, our president keeps telling me this. Farron means iron. What better place could I have landed than at a place where, where, with a guy who believes in, 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 in that story that I just told you? What better place for me to land than at a place that means iron. And, you know, all of you became, you know, those, those incredibly strong forged steel swords who can cut through anything in life now and who, and, and, and who can handle anything in life. So, um, you know, Dalton knows I'm, I'm the, the metaphor or the analogy guy, but I think that's a pretty good one to, to, 
I, I do remember sitting through uh, many, many metaphors in your office, uh, early mornings, late evenings. Uh, you know, like you said, you have metaphors uh, to, to last us a lifetime, I believe. But uh, kind of just going off of that, it, it's so true is, is that you just constantly are under pressure and then shocked. And, you know, I think one, one more story I want to go through and, and then uh, we'll let you go here this evening. But it's going to be a good story or it, it, it's a little combination of both, you know, it's got good. It's got bad. Um, we were, we were under, we were under some heat oh, man. in that last, uh, we were under some heat in that last round of conference championships. And, and we got, we got some shock from probably one of the least expected members oh. to shock our team. Um, we received a group text message. Now what exactly that group message said, I, you know, I'll, I'll leave for um, other times. Mike Thomas sent, us a text message the last before the last round we were sitting about third place in the conference championships and and shout out to Mike because you know it couldn't have come from anyone else in the team and I think had the effect that it did um for saying what he said you know Mike being a a very reserved individual who who chooses his times to speak kind of wisely and, and uh you know for better or for worse but uh he shocked our team late Thursday or late on the second day and going into that final round, we kind of all rallied around what Mike Thomas had to say and was basically for better, you know, better words. Don't let people come into our house and take our championship. And, and I want to talk on that a little bit too. Like, you know, from a, from a coach's perspective, when, when you're trying to rally the troops from behind like that, when, when we're, all kind of pissed off that we didn't play well the first day. We're all really not happy going into the second day, you know, just not very looking optimistic. What does it mean as a coach for one of your players who usually don't step up and motivate like that to, to take the spotlight and motivate an entire team in a time when, when you're really not sure if we're going to come out on top or not? Well, I think that's an interesting, it's a great question. It's an interesting question. I think, you know, talking about leadership, I think sometimes the greatest form of leadership or the greatest decision that a leader can, can make is, is, from my perspective, that, that day two is to just step back and let the players figure it out. And we had a mature group of young men, and, and, and those players figured it out because one of those players took a leadership approach or he, he made a decision as a leader. And, you know, when you're – you know, was Mike our best player? He was certainly our best player as with respect to his, his scoring average, with respect to his, his uh, the number of, of matches or, or times he was a medalist. Um, certainly, you, 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 there, there's obviously a great argument, maybe not even an argument, that, that Mike was our best individual player. Um, we have, of, of many, many great players. But that being said, when your best player you know, think about Mike Jordan. When your best player is your hardest worker. When your best player is is your most humble guy. When your best player doesn't say a whole lot. When he does say something. When he's that humble, hardworking guy who sets an example for others to to follow by. You know, when he says very little, and then when when the time comes, and he figures out it's time for me to say something then it's heard. And, you know, that's, that is true leadership. You know, that, that to me is true leadership. And, and, you know, what I took from that 
was wow. You know, it was it was a very interesting uh, way that he went about it. Um, shocking, as you said, but it really made an impact. And you you could see. I mean, you know, golf shouldn't be a particularly emotional sport, and you could see the fire in, in, in everybody's eyes. And at that point, I don't know if you remember back to that day, but my job was done at that point for the day. Just stay out of the way and, and, and let you guys go play. And, and, and here's, here's another plug. Stay out of the way and let you guys go play. And you know what I did that day? I really enjoyed the walk. <laughs> I really enjoyed that walk that day. And, and it ended in, in, in a way that was, was incredibly positive with, a, with another conference championship. And it ended with, with uh, a bunch of young men who, who had become leaders themselves. And, and, and the quietest one led in a way that, that, that was most effective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it was just cool as a player. You know, it, it was uh, for many of us our, our last uh, competitive round as a pacer that, uh, you know, not guaranteeing if we went one or not, you know, to go on and, and play more tournament golf. So um, it was definitely a text message that was well received uh, from, you know, the seniors on the team and, and kind of was just looked upon as, you know, he's right. So it's our last chance to ever stand up, you know, in, in gold or in green and, and, and have a say on, on if we can win or not. So um, it was really, it was really neat to, to get that, like you said, from the quietest guy on the team at most times. And uh, it was just, it was a lot of fun that Sunday, that Sunday round was a lot of fun knowing that we were kind of all fired up equally. He, he was our Jordan, wasn't he? He was, there's no doubt about it. Um, <laughs> so shout out to you, Mike Thomas, you know, it's uh I will forever strap it up and play with Mike uh, any day, anytime, anywhere. We will, we will, I think we know this too. Uh, we will all be together, all of us, sometime soon. Um, that's what families do. And I, I think you know that, that we will be together. Um, we're just in different places. We will always be together, but we will physically get together sometime soon. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's sometime this summer if, you know, we get to the back end of this thing. I do not a shout out, but to, to, to those that are listening or to watching, you know, as, as, as we, we grapple with this whole COVID-19 global pandemic thing, I, I hope and pray that all of those in our family, all of your families um, and anybody else who's, who's listening, I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're staying healthy. I hope you're staying home. And I hope that we can get to the back side of this or the back end of this sooner rather than later so that we can all get back together again and, uh, and reminisce and, and enjoy and talk about all those times. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like we said uh, just before we got on air, but, uh, you know, we don't know what the, the back end of it's going to look like. Um, all we can do is hope and pray that uh, it comes soon and it comes without too many, you know, complications along the way. So, uh, coach, really appreciate you joining us. You know, it's uh, always great to just sit down and talk and, and look forward to doing hopefully a little bit more of this, you know, in person once, uh, once all this subsides. So, uh, again, that is Eric Grumman uh, now with uh, Ferrum College uh, and uh, excited to just see the, the way that you thrive in your new position there and, uh, and hopefully have you back on the show sometime soon. Brotherhood lives on, guys. Thank you.
stop one shot at a time. 